1: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended of Fantasy NBA Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, joined as always by the excited Bulls fan, Travis Fuller.
2: Oh, absolutely love free agency. Probably the best free agency since I've been alive. So it's it's been amazing for the Bulls, but just amazing for basketball in general. A lot of great moves going on. I can't wait to break that down in future episodes. Uh, It's a really exciting time to be a Dynasty basketball fan. We have the draft, we have free agency, we got uh, Vegas Summer League coming up, uh, Olympic Hoops still going on, so a lot of great stuff to be
1: following along. And you may be wondering, hey, if it's that exciting, why are you guys waiting to record a pod about the draft that happened a couple days ago when we've got so much free agency stuff? Well, I was moving into a house, which... I ha- it wasn't planned, but it was kind of, we had, we're supposed to close a week and a half earlier. So I would have been done. We would have been moved in and would have been perfect for free agency, but they decided to push our closing date back and screw free agency up. So we're doing draft for two episodes and we'll do free agency. And then we'll be back on track, uh, breaking down everything. So that's just a little bit life corner there. So first things first, number one, overall pick Cade Cunningham. Uh, he, is the franchise player now and so everything bends to him but we've talked about it before Killian Hayes is probably the he's the most impacted player on the roster but from the way Troy Weaver has been talking about it it seems like they will be one a one b do those thoughts change how you feel about Killian going into this season
2: yeah it absolutely does and I've been saying to not overreact based on what Killian did last year because he played I think he only played, what, seven games healthy. So uh, you can't overreact on a rookie who only played that many games on a very bad team last year. I was a little bit concerned when we first found out Detroit winning the lottery, getting the first overall pick. I was really concerned for Killian. But word from camp sounds pretty good. It makes a lot of sense, being he, they invested him in him a lot last year. So it makes a lot of sense that they'll share the ball. I think it makes more sense for Killian to actually run the offense, since Cade is a really good shooter and and can be a playmaker. But we'll see how that goes. I could, I still think Cade is going to eventually develop into a guy that just demands the ball, twenty four seven, like a Luka Doncic does. But we'll see. If things sound really great out of, you know, out of the Detroit Pistons camp, and uh, everything points to him and Killian sharing the ball uh, right out the get go, which is great news for both players.
1: Yeah, I could not be more excited about what they keep saying about Killian Hayes as a Killian Hayes owner. Um, I, I think I agree with you long term, it might turn into a detriment to Killian because Cade, we just think he's gonna be that good. But we're not gonna talk about that because Killian's gonna be great this year and make everybody who traded him low look silly. Number two, Jalen Green to Houston. I understand why. I think I probably would have just taken Mobley if I was them, but he, Houston took green he shows up and the only player that green really impacts I think is Kevin Porter Jr yeah
2: I think so too I'm also the concerns we had for a guy like John wall are there no matter who they would have added here it's it's more about injury and limited playing time with wall not so much uh, Kevin Porter jr taking the point guard role or anything like that from him so yeah I, I think KPJ is still gonna still gonna play. He'll, he'll get good minutes. I, I love this pick, though, from Houston. Jalen Green's going to get as many minutes as he can handle. He's going to get as many shot attempts as he can handle. So I absolutely love that for him. It's a perfect spot for him to land. And I want to give who I think Jalen Green kind of reminds me of going into the year, just looking at their stats and the kind of rookie season I think he can have or even improve upon, and that is comparing Jalen Green to Anthony Edwards the number one overall pick last year. And Rhett, you can see there, their stats are just surprisingly similar based on Jalen Green's G League numbers
1: and Anthony Edwards' rookie numbers. We've been talking about this for a while. I think we've teased it twice now. And for those of you who may be thinking we're exaggerating, go look up their stats because they are eerily similar. You know, we've got 1.4 points 0.6 0.6 rebounds, 0.1 assists, 0.4 steals, 0.2 blocks, 0.5 turnovers. Like that's the difference that we're talking about. The shooting is a pretty big difference about uh 46 to 42%. Obviously you could factor in the G league versus the NBA, but there's a crazy similarity. And I mean, if you're, if you're looking at that and you're looking at what Ant did last year and you look at what green did in the G league, you, you kind of feel good about what, what Houston did at number two and, and the type of player that they have moving forward. But To the guy I would have taken and the guy who should be going number two in your guys' rookie drafts, Evan Mobley to Cleveland. Uh, Clearly, they believe that they can play Mobley and Allen together after extending Allen five for 100, which makes him the fifth highest paid center in the NBA, which is crazy to think about. But we'll cover that later. Mobley, who's the loser here? Is there one? Kevin Love? He's just, he's a loser regardless. Like he's not going to play there. (laughs) That was a bit rude, but anybody else? I'd say the biggest loser is Larry Nance.
2: uh, Somebody that you can always pick up. It seems like you can always pick him up later or he's just not really valued too much throughout most leagues, but can be a really useful player when he's been given those minutes. And every year he always seems to find a role, find minutes due to a Kevin Love injury. Uh, So He's probably the biggest loser. He's, he's going to be a back, in a backup role this year. The nice part about him is he can come in and play either the four and move Mobley to the five, or he can come in for Mobley when, when Allen's playing the five. So I think the minutes will be decent for him, but his overall outlook, if you were expecting him to start and get a, a starter's workload, I, I don't think that's going to be the case for him this year, unfortunately.
0: information, connect with a wealth advisor today at corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. I
1: I think in terms of a developmental context, Mobley is in a great spot to be able to float back and forth between the four and the five so it doesn't pressure him into playing one or the other. You could argue that playing him next to Christian Wood would, would have been the same thing, but playing him next to Allen, who's more of a traditional big with the, the different type of rim protection that Allen offers over Wood, makes for an interesting context that I'm really excited to see how that works out. But speaking of developmental context, this is where the draft got super funky. And Toronto, they did it. They took Scotty Barnes fourth overall instead of Jalen Suggs. And while I don't think this impacts anybody who's currently on the team, in terms of fantasy profiles, it could impact who is actually on the team moving forward. Don't you agree? I do. Toronto's one of the harder teams to just figure out what they're doing there.
2: I they mean, have they such still... a
1: wide range. Even with even with losing Kyle Lowry, we know that now. It's still such a wide range.
2: It's so tough to figure out what what they're going to end up doing. I mean, they still don't even have a center right now. So who who knows what they're going to do. Really surprised that Barnes was taken there. Toronto obviously liked him, and they did a really good job of keeping that quiet. I think the biggest winner here has nothing to do with Barnes. I think it's Malachi Flynn. I mean, that's, that's pretty easy there. They, they re-signed Gary Trent. Obviously Fred Von Fleet's going to be there and be their starter, but Malachi Flynn's going to be that first guard off the bench. He's going to get solid minutes. He played really well in his limited playing time last year. And when he got to start there a little bit towards the end of the year, he was able to put up some good numbers. So with them passing on Suggs I think that's that's just absolutely huge for Malachi Flynn and you have to be really excited if you
1: are an owner of him. On the flip side of that though them passing on Suggs is a lot more about Barnes than it is about Flynn. Like they they didn't pass on Suggs because they had Malachi Flynn. They passed on Suggs because they can have Scotty Barnes. So if don't get too excited there uh, Malachi Flynn owners, but Orlando made the right decision. They took Jalen Suggs at five, who I'm sure they were just ecstatic to get, but every guard owner on the Magic that did not have Jalen Suggs is not ecstatic with this pick, and I know because I'm one of them. Yeah, you have to
2: assume Suggs is going to get the minutes right away, right out the gate, which really hurts their first-round pick last year. Cole Anthony is the one that's definitely hurt the most. Yep, A a guy that was kind of pegged to be the starter coming into the season with Fultz still ailing with that ACL, but now I I really don't know. I have no idea how that roster is going to be constructed, what their depth chart is going to look like. The only thing that I can assume is Suggs is going to be in that starting lineup, and now you have a lot of guys like Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, Gary Harris is still around. There's a lot of guys that are going to be fighting for minutes, and I don't know how it's going to pan out for all of them.
1: I know how it's going to pan out for at least one of them. And it's actually going to be our my bookie bet of the day. And it's going to be that Jalen Suggs leads all point guards in minutes played for the Magic this year. He is the best guard on that roster right now. He hasn't even played a game for them, and he's probably the best guard on the roster. They're the most heavily invested in him. Of any of these guards on the roster. They just got RJ Hampton in a trade. They have Markel Fultz extended him last year. And then they did spend that pick on Cole Anthony. But you got to have Suggs in there. He's going to be your franchise player. That's why you drafted him at five. You got to make the most out of him. And so that's our my bookie bet of the day Jalen Suggs leading all point guards in minutes played for the Orlando Magic. Bet with the best, bet with my bookie. I want to stick with Orlando. We're going to jump around on picks a little bit to jump to eight and just continue talking about Orlando, Franz Wagner. I think he's gonna impact O'Kiki, which if you had been listening to us from the start, you should have already traded O'Kiki away because he closed the season in a manner that we didn't think was realistic. And we knew that Orlando had these top picks. We just thought it was going to be Jonathan Kaminga taking his minutes instead of Franz Wagner. Yeah, Wagner he landed in in really a
2: just a phenomenal spot. The only guys in front of him on that depth charter are O'Kiki and Isaac. Neither guy has really shown to prove that they've been healthy for a full season. So he he's in a really good spot. Obviously, they really like him a lot to take him here at eight. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned for Okiki. We already knew when we talked about the way he finished the season to definitely be selling high. And I really hope he heeded that advice because this is really going to hurt him.
1: On the other side of that, Jonathan Isaac isn't exactly a staple of, of health. So if Isaac does get nicked up, I think he's going to even start the season nicked up, might not even be there for opening night, but Okiki could slide to the four and then you got Wagner or three, you know, it's positionless, whatever. But Wagner is one of the only players on this team that can shoot. It's funny that the Magic got their two best shooters in the draft, like on their entire team. That's just ridiculous to me. Getting back on track, OKC at number six continued the funkiness of the draft and took Josh Giddy at sixth overall. Pretty surprising. I thought for sure they were going to take Kaminga because that I think he just had the highest upside at that spot, but clearly they saw something in Giddy. And for fantasy, this is an incredible landing spot for him.
2: A perfect landing spot for Giddy. Just going down the list, looking at all these teams that he could have potentially gone to. Uh, OKC's by far the best one, his best landing spot. Before the draft, it was it seemed like it was between Book Knight, Kamingo, Book Knight, Camingo you know, flip-flop pretty much any mock you looked at. And then all of a sudden they take Giddy. So <laughs> uh, it's great for him. I don't think really anybody in this lottery, he's the one that shot up the most. He's going to be pretty high up there in our uh, dynasty rookie drafts. I can see him being cracking the top five and in, in dynasty rookie drafts being that fifth pick. If not, I, I'll probably take him sixth if I'm in that spot. So a guy that really shot up my draft board as far as rookie drafts go.
1: I don't think this impacts SGA very much. It could limit his assists a little bit because Giddy is not a shooter. And so he will likely have the ball in his hands, similar to Cade Killian in that regard where the worst shooter, if the passing is equal, if the, if the advantage creation is equal, you give the ball to the worst shooter so that the better shooter can be off ball and threaten the defenses that way. Uh, Theo Maladon, Sorry. Like we, we knew this was coming. We we tried telling you players that teams are not heavily invested in on bad teams. They're just, they can be replaced easily. And that's definitely what happened. Yeah. We knew Kimbo was going to be gone. It was going to be
2: right soon. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's even better for Giddy.
1: Congrats to the Knicks on that. I think that's a good move, but we'll talk about that later. Number seven, overall, Golden State took Kaminga. I didn't think they would. I really didn't. But at the same time, Kaminga's not there to play for the Warriors. He's there to play for whatever team they trade for a star.
2: Yeah, I actually really like the pick. He was probably number one on their board. On most boards, he was gonna he was the best player available at the time. So I don't mind it because Golden State's a team that we just assume that they're gonna trade that pick. I don't know if drafting a guy like Mitchell or Duarte at that early is gonna affect their chances this year. So I really like the pick. Kaminga obviously is gonna have a ton of trade value throughout the season. As far as his appeal coming into the year, obviously it's not very high. I, I don't know how many minutes he's going to get on a golden state team with championship aspirations, but I kind of don't mind that if I'm in a, in my rookie draft coming up, I think he's a guy that can, is going to slide down that board. And if you can pick him up in that late top 10 and just hold him for a year or two, I think you gotta be pretty excited because as far as potential goes, he's in that
1: top five to me in this list. He has a very wide range of outcomes because it's going to take a move to the right team and it's going to take a lot of development for him to turn into something that is fantasy relevant and, and then worth getting all of the usage that he, he may require to be that elite level player. But I completely agree with them taking the pick. I don't love the explanation for it where it's like, oh, well... If Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Andrew Wiggins can't win, then those guys weren't good enough. Because I I don't really agree with that. You could still take a cost-controlled player that can help if you have championship aspirations, not if you're a borderline play-in team like the Pacers taking Duarte. But we'll get there. Uh, Jumping up to number nine, Sacramento taking Davion Mitchell. I think that they panicked after Wagner wasn't there and just – Uh, Mitchell, what do you think?
2: (laughs) No, I 100% agree. That's exactly what happened. And things that I've read about the pick there, Sacramento just said they took the best player on their board and that happened to be Mitchell at the time. So, Which is a good process,
1: but like, eh, is it?
2: I know there's a lot of negativity with the fit there. I honestly don't mind it. When they picked Mitchell, I thought, okay, here comes a buddy heel trade coming up. You know, I was just waiting yeah. for some buddy healed rumors to pop up and they've, those have all kind of subsided now. So there is a little bit of concern there that they have Fox healed and Halliburton, but the Kings do run a lot of three guard sets. They did a lot of that last year. So I, I think Mitchell going to be able to find his way in there. He's, he's a great defender. We all know that that was his calling card coming out of college, but he's a playmaker too. So he, he can do a some good things there. A guy that can handle the ball and play defense. I think he's always going to find a spot, uh, either on the bench or as a as a more of a low end starter. But I, I like him. I don't mind him on that team as much as other people
1: don't. No, I don't hate it. It's just odd to me. Like I know you you should take the best player on your board, but if you're ninth and Davion Mitchell is the best player on your board with guys like Moody and Zaire and Booknight, like I just I really thought they were going to take Moody. I thought that would have been a great spot, a much better fit with Halliburton and Fox. Still somebody who's – he's 19, he's got upside, like all that. But, but, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what Mitchell turns into. But Would you prefer Mitchell to be – so there's two teams that he was really
2: rumored to throughout the whole process. It was 13 with the Pacers, I know it was a possibility, and then obviously with Golden State as a player that can help right away. Do you feel either of
1: those teams would have been a better
2: fit than – where he landed in Sacramento?
1: Absolutely. Especially Golden State. Yes, Pacers, maybe not so much, but then that may have changed what they did with T.J. McConnell. Uh, It seemed destined that that the Pacers were going to draft Duarte to replace Doug McDermott and then re-sign T.J. McConnell. But maybe if they took Mitchell, that would be different. If he went to Golden State, he can play with Steph and Clay. Like, cause you slide clay up to the three and then you get like, that's your three guard lineup in Sacramento. They already have a three guard lineup. So like, you'd have to run a four guard lineup to get him out there with, with their best players. I, I just its always, not bad. It's not bad.
2: I just always th- thought of him as a, a guy that can come off the branch, bring some energy, play good D maybe a guy that plays at the end of games as well. His free throw shooting
1: is not very good though. So right. But you just took that guy who's best coming off the bench at ninth overall. So Kang's. <laughs> um, to, going to 10th, Memphis trading up to 10 from New Orleans in the Jonas Valentunas, Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, New Orleans continuing to make mistakes and then paying assets to cover for those mistakes. Move, they took Zaire Williams. And I really like Zaire. I thought there were some people that had him in the 20s, and I thought that was crazy. I pegged him as a lottery pick top 10 was a little bit aggressive because I didn't think the teams inside the top 10 would take a project like him. But once Memphis went up there, it was clear they were going for him. He has no positional competition other than slow-mo. And I'm not sure slow-mo is long for the Grizzlies when the Grizzlies clearly were fine with being worse, trading Jonas Valanciunas, the better player in the deal for Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe to gain that asset. So it seems like Memphis is doing a little bit of self-reflection in this and drafting an extremely high upside wing, a player that they currently do not have on their roster after not picking up Justice Winslow's team option this year. I don't love
2: Zaire Williams as much as I know you did, but he was injured a lot last year in his uh, only college season that he had. So you can't really, it's hard to give a good perspective on, on the type of player he can be. He obviously has great size, uh, the ability to shoot the ball, the ability to defend. So there's a lot of different things he can do well. He just didn't really show it last year. But we'll see. Memphis, I don't mind him going to Memphis. They do a decent job of developing their players. And as you mentioned, them declining that option on Winslow tells me a lot. Uh, Williams is is the backup there. I mean, he's, he's going to be right behind Slomo. And I mean, obviously he has a lot more potential and upside than what Slomo has. So you never know if Memphis gets, gets out of it early. If something happens where they're, they're not in the playoff hunt, we can see him towards the end of the season, getting a lot of minutes and that's gotta be pretty exciting uh, for any of those that, that draft him.
1: Something that gets overlooked so much when it comes to bad teams or team, not bad teams. So they don't think Memphis is bad, but teams that don't have championship aspirations and are more retooling, rebuilding, whatever you want to call it is, it still matters having good players around. And so slow is a good player and he does a lot for the Grizzlies in that starting lineup. I think it might be a little bit much to just start Zaire right off the bat. Uh, I mean, maybe if we see him in summer league and he's just dominating or it's very clear early on that Zaire just needs more opportunity than maybe you see that. But it just matters having those good players around, having competent NBA basketball players around because you throw too many projects or too many young and players on the court at the same time. And it can just have a diminishing return, even though you're trying the best to get that many people out there. One of the biggest winners of the draft is the Charlotte Hornets. And they started being the winners of the draft at number 11, taking James Booknight, Knight who most people had as a top seven because they thought for sure OKC or Golden State, like we talked about, even New Orleans would have been a good spot for him. But he goes to Charlotte, and not only does he go to Charlotte, but then Devontae Graham inexplicably is worth a first-round pick to the New Orleans Pelicans (laughs) after they lost Lonzo Ball. And then in a move that I kind of liked is they let Malik Monk be an unrestricted free agent. There's like an organizational... I don't know what to call it. I just like that for organizations like, okay, we're not going to retain you. We just drafted your replacement. Who's probably better than you already. So just go, go field offers and we don't even have to mess with it. So those two players, Graham and monk combined for 50 minutes a game last year and they're gone. And the only replacement, like you said, was Brad Wanamaker, and I am <laughs> confident that Brad Wanamaker will not be playing significant minutes. You got to put some aside for Lamelo to get up into that thirty-plus minute range, but Booknight's going to get a big helping of minutes on a team that could use his scoring.
2: Yeah, they they did just sign Ish Smith, who's another guy that could, I guess, back up Lamelo. But I mean, you have to be really excited with with what Charlotte did if you're a fan. I love their draft. I think they're the biggest winners of the draft easily. I, I they nailed both picks. Uh, that team's looking, looking really bright. Their future book, book. Knight's a guy I love. I, I think he's going to be a baller in this league, a, a really good scorer. And I love the fit. I mean, he's going to come off the bench. We know that, but he's such a good fit for that team and what they need. He's, he can be a playmaker off the ball. Uh, he can run sets if you need him to do that. He did a lot of that at UConn. He had the ball in his hands quite a bit there. He was their main playmaker. So obviously he needs to improve. He needs to be able to, to show that he can shoot the ball a lot better than he did in college. But you, you have to love the fit. I, I think no, nobody gets hurt with him adding, you know, Graham's gone, Monk's gone. Nobody's role is taken with him being there. And you just really have to like the fit a lot. And he, he can even get in there. And when they do the three guard sets, I know they did that a lot. That was more so because Hayward was out, but they can still do that as well with him.
1: Yeah. If they run PJ Washington at the center, because they didn't make a move for a true starting center this year, they made a move up to get Kai Jones, who I thought was going to be their pick at 11. But as soon as I saw them trade late, I called it while we're doing a live show for a Pacers podcast. I was like that. That's for sure. Kai Jones, but. It shows the direction that Charlotte is going. And I think that that's really important for Book Night in that Terry Rozier is expiring this year. They did not go out and sign Rashawn Holmes for for whatever money, even though I think they should have with the money Rashawn Holmes got. They traded for Mason Plumley and got a pick with Mason Plumley for whatever reason. So they got their Cody Zeller replacement. And I just think. Charlotte is taking their time and they're, they're doing good things. And book Knight is one of those good things because we, I mean, I wouldn't have thought he was going to be there at 11 and them losing Graham and monk is just incredible for what he's going to be. And I think book Knight is probably, he went sixth in a rookie draft that I just did. And I don't think that's terribly crazy. That's a really good point with this being
2: Rosier being on a contract year, uh, I mean, if Book Knight plays well, shows potential, I could see them not paying Rosier. Rosier's not a guy you want to pay a lot of money to, in in my opinion. I think what they gave him, um, what was that a four-year deal that they just that they gave him or was that three?
1: I think it was three for fifty-six three. or something like that. Whatever it was, it was an overpay at the time. It just Half happens time. to be a whole lot better now. So they probably don't want to go through that again.
2: Yeah, he made it work out. I, I think he's gonna want more than what he got. I, I would, would say so. Be extremely uncomfortable giving him that. So if, if Book Knight shows any bit of potential if he has a solid season and we we could see him starting next to LaMelo next year or in two years, which you got to love that. So,
1: yeah, there's a pathway that's, that's really, really important and his pathway plus the combination of what he can do is the most important out of the top five guys. And that's why he went six is because of that pathway. So speaking of pathway, this player, number 12 to the Spurs, Josh Primo, He has a pathway to minutes because it seems like the Spurs are are moving into the rebuild, but he doesn't because he's a Spurs rookie, so he won't play very much in his rookie year. Are the Spurs moving into a rebuild? Nobody knows what they Patty Mills left. They they signed Zach Collins, who's going to play three games for them. Uh, (laughs) DeMar obviously is on your bowls now, and they got Thad Young, who's probably not long for the roster, but I don't know.
2: I feel like as long as Popovich is there, they'll they'll never just tear it down and do a full rebuild. Like they really need to, but who who knows the Primo pick. We have it down here as a a really big reach. Uh, A guy that was really a super surprising. I thought it was going to be Shingun. I thought that's who they were going to take there at that spot. And then all of a sudden, you know, a a guy that was supposed to be a late first, maybe even an early second gets taken there. Uh, He's one of the better shooters in the draft, the youngest player in the draft, but we know, we know how spur what they Spurs do with rookies. I mean, Devin Vassell was was an NBA ready player last year, and and he hardly got in there. So I'd be super shocked if he got 12 minutes a game next year.
1: Vassell got more than 12 minutes a game last year. I think it was closer to 19 or something like that. But 17 minutes a game. Okay, so not great. But I don't love doubting San Antonio because they've just nailed all of their picks, and they have and infrastructure there that just has led to incredible development from so many players, but yikes, I don't know about that at 12, but you know, it's, it's too early to judge that. We'll have to see in a couple of years. And now we're on to pick 13, my Indiana Pacers who took Chris Duarte out of Oregon. <sighs> I hated this pick at the time. Absolutely hated it. I wanted Moses Moody. First off, I wanted to trade out of the pick because they already had too many players. Rick Carlisle doesn't play rookies. They took Chris Duarte, 24 years old, 42% from three. He's a good player, started basketball late, was drafted. They think he can play right away. They like what he can do. And he's kind of a replacement for Doug McDermott. But if you look at the Pacers roster, I'm not sure Duarte is going to have a ton of opportunity to be replacing Doug McDermott, who played like 28 minutes a game last year.
2: I mean, he kind of better be able to play right away, because he's he's already 24. He'll be on his rookie contract when he's entering his prime years. So, I hope he's able to play right away for them. I think he will be a guy that's going to be your your, your typical three and D type player. Not going to get a ton of minutes, but should have a should have a steady role with the Pacers this year as a as a guy that can really shoot the ball not a guy i'm personally really excited about in in rookie drafts whatsoever just because like i said he is 24 uh he's he's gonna be coming off the bench and in the future i don't see a a huge role for him on the pacers so not a guy i'm really excited about Uh, i don't think he really hurts anybody from a A dynasty perspective on that Pacers team he's gonna have a a solid role he's gonna know his role so I don't think he really hurts anybody either though
1: no and before I start ranting on all things Pacers here I I just one last thing Chris Duarte at the end of his rookie contract will be the same age as Doug McDermott just was when he got his contract to throw, (laughs) put that little bit of context out there but Uh, I need to be done talking about the Pacers. So let's move on to number 14, Golden State Warriors second lottery pick. And they took Moses Moody. I think this is a great pick for them. I thought there was rumors of them taking Moody at seven and then Davion Mitchell at 14, which would have been reasonable. I think if, if the draft falls just a couple picks differently, that's probably what happens, but they got their, they got Moody at 14 I think he's going to play right away, especially with Kelly Oubre still not signed. Yeah, I think one could say that
2: Golden State got the two biggest steals in the draft in terms of I think talent. So. And, and having Camingo fall to them at seven, who a guy early on was just crazy to even think he was going to fall out of the top five. And then get Moody, who a guy everybody had inside the top 10, fall to them at 14. So two really good value picks for Golden State. Again, Golden State's got playoff championship aspirations. Wiggins is still there for the moment. If I had to guess, I'd say Moody plays more minutes. I'd still take Kaminga ahead of him in rookie drafts, but I don't mind the pick here. I think he's going to get some quality minutes for them off the bench.
1: I would be definitely not taking Moody ahead of Kaminga because Kaminga has a higher ceiling. it's going to be somebody more likely to be invested in by a team. He's more of that blue-chip prospect. And Clay, Clay's still coming off a, a
2: major injury, so we very true. You know, we don't know exactly how he's going to respond. His role in that offense is obviously very stable, and he's a guy that's not a really explosive player. He doesn't rely on um, being an explosive player, so I think he'll be okay. But you never know; he, they could, you know, limit his minutes early on in the season. They could limit his minutes throughout the season, which could give you uh,
1: a little more minutes for Moody it's it's funny to say that clay thompson is the one who's going to suffer the most from the warriors picking moses moody at 14 but that's the reality of clay thompson coming back from injury and moses moody maybe being ready to play right away is they don't feel the need to play clay thompson 30 minutes a night they can play him 27 give those extra 3 minutes to moody and maybe you lose a couple more games but you let clay rest up ramp up to where he needs to be so that the warriors are my most fascinating team because they have two completely different rosters between Steph, Clay, Dre, Wiggins, and then Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody with it's, I mean, it's just crazy to think about, but no, I don't, I don't know if anybody's really going to be impacted that much. It's going to depend entirely on if Moody's actually ready to play. That's the lottery. That's everybody. There wasn't that many big impacts, which is kind of makes the show a little bit boring At the same time, what is going to be the most interesting is where these players are going in your rookie drafts, because there's a drastically different set of evaluations from from manager to manager. And like I said, Booknight went six, Tomingo went seven, somebody got Giddy at nine, and then Sengun at like 13, which is just, for fantasies, pretty ridiculous we will be back to break down the rest of the first round and some of the second round picks that really stood out to us. Trav, you got any teases for that?
2: Yeah, we got a couple sleepers I think we're going to throw in there for, for those of you and, and 30 teamers. So definitely take a peek at that upcoming podcast.
1: Absolutely. That will be out relatively soon. Before we close out, please go check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your listening material. And give us a review. I think last time I checked, we were at 14 reviews, which is great. Very excited about that. If we get to 20, then we'll do another mailbag. So that's the that's the marker we have to hit. So if we don't do a mailbag for a couple months, it's because we don't have any reviews. So <laughs> please get out there. Give us a five-star review. Let us know what you think about the show. Send us all your questions in. We'll try to throw them in at the beginning. Follow both of us on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer, R-H-E-T-T underscore B-A-U-E-R. Follow Travis at Travis underscore Fuller92. And always check out all our stuff over at Hoopball. There's a bunch of good stuff coming out. Stay tuned for episode two of the NBA Draft.